DoChat. Good evening, DoChat listeners. Welcome to the 20th episode of the primary continuity, the Earth 616, the main event, uh, if you like. Um, this is DoChat proper. Um, sorry, just sort of spitballing there on different, different ways of saying this is the regular continuity of DoChat and the 20, 20th episode um at that um so tonight will be the um full uh, array if you like so we'll have some ads uh we'll do headlines we'll have a big topic and we'll do a top 10 um however we will be recording this uh, across a couple of evenings uh, miss laura and i are both run off our feet currently and um keen to um well do it over two evenings so we split the, split the time uh, and distribute it uh, a bit further. Um, so although I can tell you what the headlines and the big topic are going to be, I've just realized I have no idea what the top 10 is going to be. Um, so look out for a mystery top 10, uh, dear listener. Uh, I'm sure um, we will think of something good. Uh, so you can look forward to that. Unfortunately, dear listener, we did in fact never end up recording the second half to this episode. So there is no top 10 to be excited about. Terribly sorry. Anyway, back to the scheduled programming. But headline-wise, uh, we're mixing up today slightly because Mr. Law and I effectively want to talk about the same thing. And actually, there are several headlines that feed into it, and that's cancel culture. Uh, basically, I wanted to have a brief chat about that. Uh, and then for our big topic today, we're going to be talking about the royal family. Uh, the royal family have been in the headlines uh, quite a bit in the last three months with Megxit and, unfortunately, Prince Philip has fallen ill. Uh, obviously, in the last year, you've got uh, the Prince Andrew scandal um and other bits and pieces um and it's it's all brought the monarchy into question this is something that happens in british um culture every 10 years or so we we question the, the monarchy and i'm interested to explore that topic with mr law and so for headlines today um effectively uh, mr law and i when we compared notes we realized that we had um similar ideas on well designs on what we wanted to talk about um, so basically I am going to rifle off uh, a few different headlines from the last few days, uh, all of which pertain to uh, cancel culture. Uh, and then Miss Laura and I are going to have a 20 minute discussion um, on cancel culture. So we're almost doing a small topic today, I've realized, but um, we've kind of shoehorned in the traditional show format. Um, so, you know, bear with us. I'm sure it'll be good listening, uh, even if it is slightly uh, a break from the traditional form. Um, so the, the three headlines um, that have, and one of them is loosely cancel culture, I suppose I'm shoehorning that in a little bit as well, but, but there we are. The first two certainly are cancel culture. The first headline certainly is, um, and it's the headline that the Dr. Zeus um, estate and publishing bodies have announced they are no longer going to be publishing six of the original Dr. Zeus books uh, because they believe they contain content which would be deemed offensive, um, racist, uh, promoting negative stereotypes uh, and all the things that you couldn't possibly um, do these days. Um, and I think I'll stream through the headlines first and then give a bit of commentary uh, and then hand over to Mr. Law to, to give comment and we can debate the topic for 20 minutes uh, or slightly less after the time taken for to explanation. But um, the first one is Dr. Zeus. Uh, the second one is Mr. Potato Head, um, and yes, believe it or not, listeners, this is a real thing. Um, Mr. Potato Head is set to become just Potato Head. Um, they're going to be making a gender-neutral 
Potato Head. Um, just for the sake of posterity, Mr. Potato Head and Mrs. Potato Head will still be available uh, and will still be a line, um, but they're trying to phase those out in favour of the gender neutral Potato Head. Um, and then the third headline um, is that um, the, um, I believe it's a streaming platform, showing my age a little bit here and my out of touchedness, um, a streaming platform called Twitch. Uh, I believe a lot of gamers use it um, to broadcast their play and things like that. Um, but they um, had used some marketing, which um, used the word woman, uh, but with A replaced by X, uh, which I believe is supposed to be um, a sort of feminist way of saying woman uh, because the word is no longer uh, a derivative of the word man. Um, however, they've actually ended up offending the LGBT community. Um, so in an attempt to be woke, they've actually ended up offending those they intended to uh, protect. So that's quite ironic. Um, so they've decided to change that as well. Um, now, just for the uh, bit of a disclaimer here, I'm fully aware of the fact um, that I have fallen afoul of clickbait. Um, to be completely honest with you, um, I so I've deleted my Apple News feed off my phone, um, but it's still on my tablet. Um, just haven't got the strength of will to delete that just yet. I will do in due course. Um, but whereas my exposure to nonsense headlines has been significantly reduced over the last six months, uh, I do occasionally get um, uh, exposed to it through my own uh, lack of willpower. Um, so fully aware these are clickbait and not big, big stories. Um, but I think broadly they brought up the uh, notion of cancel culture, which certainly is uh, a bigger topic. And certainly uh, we can probably think of many other examples that we can bring up over the next uh, 15, 20 minutes. Um, but yes, so Dr. Zeus has had six of his books um, burnt effectively, no longer being published. Um, Mr. Potato Head is now Potato Head, um, and the new word for woman uh, is now deemed offensive and won't be used anymore. Um, so there we are, Mr. Laura. I don't know how aware you were of those three specific headlines, um, but I guess what I was generally gearing at is talking about uh, cancel culture and whether or not the world has gone completely mad um so what are your initial thoughts on those i've been at the i've been at the forefront of it i've been at the vanguard of of paying attention to the gradual increase of insanity in relation to the woke left and their various crusades to assault standard western culture and um the insidious creep of the extreme fringe into the mainstream uh, and into the corporate world, which has been very hard to track. But all I can say is there were some ideas that people were saying in Facebook discussion boards 10 years ago or so, maybe five years ago, that were pretty extreme at the time. And you're now seeing companies say them as slogans. Um, I don't know how far we are down the rabbit hole in all areas, but there's a whole family of ideas and they're all tied to the same ideological ecosystem. And they all come from, they're all sort of different offshoots of the same rotten roots. 
Um, and it's really hard to pinpoint at what point they became completely detached from reality. You know, there are, there are many examples I can give you. I think the most important one, I think the one that really matters is the concept of words being the same as violence. That's been a really big. And the other one, I suppose, would be the concept of sex being the same as gender and both of them existing on a spectrum. They seem to be quite significant ones. Uh, but the one in relation to words and violence, I think I've discussed it with you before. There's this idea that if you bully someone and they kill themselves, it's your fault for, for bullying them. So your words killed them. So words are violence. Essentially, if you contribute to a society which is so inhospitable to a person that they kill themselves, you are contributing to their murder. And it's just the same as if you had stabbed them. Um, and the idea that, therefore, in policing people's speech, you are actively preventing physical violence, that idea is one which starts out to be slightly reasonable and it ends up with really aggressive, extremely anti-free speech uh, conclusions. Obviously, this group of people consider the concept of free speech to be almost what one might call a spook, uh, what one might call a red herring. They, they, they think there basically should never be such a thing as free speech. There should only be qualified speech and there should be extremely controlled speech because obviously in their view, speech is the equivalent of walking around with a revolver at your, pot, at your hand. So you've got to be careful, right? Um, essentially, th th they would view speech akin to driving a car and you have a speed limit. So you should have a speech limit. There's no such thing to them as free speech anyway, just in concept. Uh, to, I think to the average person, that's, kind of the wrong way around it's inverted from how you we all normal people would look at it we would say you should be free to say whatever you want and then we should establish the limits um these people um almost start from a position of you're not free to say anything unless we say you can <laughs> um now i mean you got the me too movement which was a massive a massive cultural step but I think it went way too far in the wrong direction. You've got the, you've got feminism, which is third wave feminism, which has been looking for targets to fight. I've been discussing it with my fiance the other day. It's almost this idea that um, everyone's looking for evil because we're almost all, we all seem to all be programmed to find an enemy, to find a threat. I think we're just threat-averse creatures, or at least there's some of us who are. I mean, I'm just going to go down another small rabbit hole very quickly. And, and I found an infographic which, which claimed from 2018 research that in Twitter, um, only 10% of the users were over a certain level of activity to the point where they were could be considered regular users. And of those users, about 60% were female. Over 67% were female. I think 70% were female, actually. And they're all a specific age range, um, you know, quite aggressively. So when this idea you see about Twitter has, thinks this about this, or Twitter has this political opinion, or Twitter reacted in this way to Donald Trump, or Twitter reacted in this way to 
Joe Biden, it's actually a specific group of mostly women. Um, and probably you could argue that they're probably uh, specific political uh, boundaries that, that they typically are within. Um, and it's very interesting to me that pressure groups like Twitter are really having a significant impact on the movement of companies and the movement of culture. You have a double header attack. Um, so you start with these ideas, which appeared, quite frankly, in just random interpersonal communications in social media. And then they've kind of worked their way into academia because people in academia tend to be heavily represented in social media, in communication. I guess because if you're a words person, you're a words-orientated person, you're probably also quite an introverted person. That works well towards becoming a doctor, getting a doctorate, and being a, an undergraduate because it's a writing-intensive process. And uh, you, have, you have unusual schedules, and you sort of have a lot of free time as a student, so that's going to be... If you are a tradie working on the building site, you do not have time to patrol Twitter for hot takes, okay? Now, everyone knows it's a common meme that in a lot of social media, it's heavily represented by gender studies students, maybe both because they have a lot of free time when they're studying, because it's really not that difficult, but also when they finish, they spend so much time looking for a job because no one wants to hire them because their degree is completely useless. So they have lots of time to waste everybody's time with their hot takes. Now, so here we've got part one of the corrosive ingredient. You have a migration of ideas from idle speculation and discussion into academia. And then what, what's downstream of academia? Well, frankly, journalism is downstream of academia, right? Because academia feeds into journalism with all these journalist um, uh, writers. Now, think about it for a second. Journalism is a race to the bottom. It always has been, but currently it's the worst race to the bottom you could possibly imagine. No one has any, any um, journalistic integrity at all because everyone's just chasing the algorithm, clickbait type stuff. So everything that could be written about in journalism is always the most extreme, always the most ed edgy, pushy um, direction you could take it. Now, that's one side of the, the, of the, of the process. But the other side is the extreme vociferousness of a small uncontent discontented minority who somehow have managed to uh, get in the idea of the businesses and the corporations uh, that what they say goes and you end up with just wokeness swarming over the corporations of course Slavoj Žižek who's the uh, uh, populist um, communist philosopher would say that the reason why companies and corporations engage in wokeism is because it doesn't cost them anything they he said capitalism loves trans capitalism loves trans why does capitalism love trans because it doesn't threaten it it's nothing to do with unions in fact identity politics are the exact opposite of unionization the idea of identity politics is dividing people according to their identity and, I, and, and working out how they are oppressed based on their identity. The uh, unionization is supposed to be workers of the world unite. It's supposed to be saying we will discard all of our identities other than the fact that we are oppressed and we have no capital. So we now need to unionize together as people, as workers, and strike a balance with the ruling class, the, the capital-owning class, the bourgeois. Of course, identity politics almost seems like a 
a, a custom-made sabotage tactic from that class to get the uh, low the the, the 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 working classes um, divided, and it's exactly what it's done. You're talking about people in accepted journals online writing about how they won't give money to a white homeless person because that person's got enough privileges that goes. I mean, that, that's something I've read. I'm not, I'm not joking. <laughs> uh, and these were ideas that I read five to 10 years ago in discussion forums and thought there's no way that's going to become mainstream. Of course, I was wrong. You have a great example I found the other day. I put it up on my Facebook. There, 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 there was a big billboard with a sort of a black, I think it was a black politician, saying cancel rent. And, and, it got, and the rent got written over with hate cancel hate so you're replacing the 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 class conscious message with the completely irrelevant useless meaningless slogan which all the corporations love which is why all of these corporations you know it wasn't it was only a few days ago that one of the corporations was fat it was boohoo boohoo was you know sitting there with blacking out their social media accounts uh, as a representation of you know no justice no peace for the black community in the US while at the exact same time it's been found that they are, have no problem at all using slave labor even though they know where they're, they're, they know that the stuff that they're getting is made using slave labor I mean are you kidding me so this isn't even a joke okay so this isn't even a joke so I'm adding on to your headline because this isn't even a joke the the United States, they had a bomb. They had a pic. The, the United States Air Force put a picture of a bomb that they used. They dropped with a drone that had Black Lives Matter on. <laughs> I'm not even joking. And a trans flag. I'm literally not even joking. Um, so you've got this toxic combination of the academia and the um, and the news are rife with wokeism because it's. Academia is full of mediocrity looking to make a noise. And that's one of the things you can make a noise in. And people accord you more uh, attention than you're worth. A hundred percent. Number two, you've got the corporations. It doesn't cost them anything to play into this ridiculous charade where the emperor obviously has no clothes. But if you say the emperor has no clothes, you're cancelled and you lose your job. And the Twitterati come after you. And then the final piece of the rotten pie is... Um, uh, it, it's actually encoded into law in the in the United Kingdom. I mean, it, it's actually it's, it's I'm a solicitor, and it's among solicitors 100. percent The general polite way for metropolitan intellectual people to 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 to, to, to communicate is one of not wanting to cause offence, and the window against what causes offense is constantly being shifted quite aggressively uh, and the people who don't really want to cause trouble they kind of get pushed along with it and interestingly the bbc is a great example because the bbc really is just following the law on equality but because standards keep changing and the law is really designed to stop people from feeling offended or insulted can you see how that's going to create a shifting sands? Because if people get offended by more and more things, you have to, by law, change your product more and more. And I've just been thinking, I mean, the other day, you know, the, 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 the ethnic representation on the BBC is completely bizarre. 
I mean, the amount of black people in this country, I, I can't remember what the number is. Um, black population UK. 16%, if I remember correctly. No, it's nothing like that. 3%. What? Three, yes, this is what I'm no, saying. So you on. thought it was 16% because you've seen probably a more than 16% representation on the BBC. The BBC, well, the BBC is... Like 70%. I mean, yeah, okay, well, that's a little much, but the BBC is about 30% ethnic, I'd say. 30% black, Asian, minority ethnic. Now, the entire country is about 11% BAME. Oh, uh, maybe that's where I've got my... In America, um, it's 13% black. But in our country, it's 3% black. But you wouldn't know that from, from the way that black people are incredibly highly represented in Brit Brit Britain. But you know what's even funnier? Uh, just look, look at black uh, names, right? Uh, p people of note in the UK talking about their representation. It's entirely complaining that there's not enough. I mean, it, it, there's there's like a there's like a holy storm. There's like a perfect storm of um, uh, sort of f fallacious thoughts that go into the mentality that one gets in the woke life, and and part of it becomes. I was thinking about it the other day. You know how there are some people out there who, if you compliment their physical looks, they'll say, you know, that's just a meat suit. I don't really take your comments on my what I was born with as much of a compliment because you're not really you're not complimenting my skill or my ability or anything I've gained or learned or made. You're literally just complimenting the equipment I was born with. Now, I actually. I actually agree with that. I think it's a bit obnoxious to say that to someone who compliments you, but I do agree with that in theory. Um, and it becomes quite toxic if someone totally loses any sense of that. And if you compliment their physical appearance, uh, and I'm not talking about it in a way that they could have worked on it, like uh, their body fat percentage or their muscles or whatever. But if you compliment, if someone compliments you on something you had no control over, uh, and then you take it too much to heart and you become addicted to such compliments um, and you seek them out and they and they become something you're really in, in, in favor of. And you hate receiving the opposite of compliments about that attribute. Um, that's quite a toxic uh, path to go down, because ultimately it's very uh, it's 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 very unedifying okay and you end up with a culture of self-objectification and you end up with a a pretty rotten uh culture aspect in that regard i think that the same thing happens in terms of wokeness i think people start sort of feeling that their random identity that they were born with has much more weight than it really should be accorded you find people who have a perfectly comfortable life but have one of these quote-unquote oppressed identities use that as currency in an argument and that's become more and more mainstream to the point where that's considered totally acceptable and my point is if society were more circumspect about this they'd put it in its place and the people who might be tempted into that thought process would be detracted from it and they would go about their lives as normal and they would edify themselves as normal people and develop their arguments based on the, the merit of their arguments and their ideas based on the merits of their ideas. 
but unfortunately we don't live in that kind of culture we live in a culture which does completely opposite it's it's obsessed with emphasizing your random facets of the things you were born into and pulling them out and wearing your mental illness diagnoses as badges because if you look at tumblr if you look at the the the, the way that people describe themselves on tumblr and many of the left the left spaces on twitter they will have a list almost like uh qualifications you know how you like have you know phd or whatever they'll have they'll have adhd or asd you know like the, the learning needs or, or bpd bipolar disorder uh and, and all that sort of stuff and use that for currency and um so we, we've, we've basically just got a combination of these problems and, and frankly if you take them all together you end up with things like potato head rather than Mr. Potato head. And you end up with, by the way, the spelling woman using an X instead of a has existed for a long time. I'm pretty sure that it was around in the seventies when there was man hating feminism, where they, they wanted to almost um, isolate the female gender from the male gender uh, and sort of separate and detach. And my mom recalls going to feminist second wave meetups and said that it was just a bunch of lesbians hitting on her. Uh, and I don't know if that's like representative or fairly representative of that of that time, but um, there was certainly a lot, a lot of obsession uh, with the female genitalia and uh, a sort of saying rude things about men and about how they shouldn't exist. Of course, we've now managed to somehow come full circle where now some of the most prominent feminists are actually biological men. Uh, who identify as female, who are sort of leading the conversation of feminism almost in a pro-men way because they grew up as men. They know exactly what it's like to be a man. They've obviously, I must say, trans women have a lot of sympathy for men. I mean, I guess that's not surprising, right? For a fair reason. Uh, also, a very high percentage of trans women seem to be lesbians, um, but uh, I guess we won't, we won't go near that one. Um, but <laughs> um, it's, it's, it, that's certainly an interesting element. But um, yeah, the, 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 I, I, I suppose that, you know, the, the, the flavor of the month is, is probably gender. I suppose that's the flavor of the month. I think Ming Tu's kind of petered out. And, and I think we're, we're now seeing, rather than men and women, we're seeing uh, trans women and women. Uh, and men and that and that's why you get examples like co companies talking about menstruators rather than talking about women who have periods uh oh oh that reminds me another i've got another i've got one final one for you um there was a legal case where recently it was decided that uh discrimination against a woman on the basis that they discriminated her against her because she got pregnant was not was not sex discrimination because men can get pregnant too. There you go. <laughs> My God. Wow. Okay. Um, well, that was an incredible monologue. Uh, I'm not sure how much of it was about cancel culture, but definitely, um, I think you've dissected all the factors that have got get, got us to where we are today in a very interesting way. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, guess... I'm sorry, but the examples that you gave were not as much council culture as they were the development of wokeism and how that's encroaching into business. The, the, the two are clearly entwined. 
Um, they are, and they I are think the, intertwined. They are. Um, and I, I think you're. Um, uh, sorry, ironically, I've entwined, entwined with entangled. <laughs> sorry, that is beautiful. What? Oh dear. Um, didn't do that on purpose. I wish what I did had. did you say entwined? Um, anyway. What did you no, say? No, no, I'm saying that. So the, uh, you corrected me because I said entwined and it's entwined. Well, it's actually entwined. Fine. But the point <laughs> is, I had amalgamated entangled with intertwined uh, which is ironic because it's i don't even know what you would call that um there's probably an amazing word for when that happens but anyway it's like a it's like a spoonerism like, but no no yeah yeah i know what you mean when yeah, you walk yeah. two words together yeah and they and but you do so in such I don't a way know if it's that, a neologism no it probably isn't that's like a new word but the point is that the, the irony is in the fact that I used two words for entangling and entangled them. Yes. And I used my own word again to see I coined that and I'm gonna <laughs> perpetuate it. Anyway, um no, but but no, the two the two are clearly um entangled. Um and but I think but so so something I will pick up on on what you said, uh, and I want to add something of my own quickly as well. But the the corporate nature of this is very interesting. I'm so sorry, but I, 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 of... I'm so sorry. I need to interrupt you. Okay. Entwined is a word. Yes, but yeah. entwined isn't. Entwined, yeah, is a word. E-N-T-W-I-N-N-E-D. Yes. Oh. Wind or twist together, interweave. And, and intertwine is also a word. And they basically mean the same thing. Twist or twine together. They're basically the same word. So there you the go. Synonyms of each other. Oh, well, that's um, not synonyms. Yeah, synonyms. Um, that's annoying. I thought I'd um, create a rather lovely new web. Anyway. That is not focus. a neologism. A ne- neologism. No. Neolo- neologism. 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 Sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, it's like sesame street, but for sort of like mentally impaired. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, um, like outtakes of sesame street. But, but the corporate angle is a very interesting one because I do think that um, certainly um, the common um, expression is get woke, go broke. And that seems to have done a 180 now. Um, I think at the very least, it's a great way of grabbing some headlines. Um, and it's probably the first time that Hasbro have had a toy make the front page of whatever papers, admittedly not the papers you want to be on the front page of. Um, but still, you know, in terms of grabbing some headline space, uh, as a marketing ploy, you know, it's, it's good. And like you say, you know, if you're going to take the Boohoo example uh, and you can see that these companies are preparing to care about something that clearly they don't um, because it gains attention. It's good. And it can backfire. Look at Gillette. Um, but um, just to, okay, so I'll talk specifically about the Dr. Zeus thing uh, because I believe that is cancel culture. That is people saying this is offensive, get rid of it. Um, and, I think the thing, so the, 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 what I wanted to say is it, it pains me that people have this inability to contextualize um, and recognize when something is more ignorance than it is, you know, deliberately offensive. Um, because I was thinking about this. I'm not sure when they were written, but I think it was the 40s. Uh, it might have been the 50s. Certainly way ahead of true globalization. I just wanted to point out to listeners and anyone who, takes interest in this um when those were written you know most of america um had very little exposure to chinese culture um 
because you know again commercial flights were still only for the fabulously rich uh, there's probably a, you know three or four tv channels the internet wasn't a thing social media wasn't a thing um so you know a lot of these portrayals are born out of ignorant stereotypes as opposed to uh deliberate intention to perpetuate uh, negative stereotypes or indeed be offensive um and i just i get so frustrated um when you know i, I honestly don't know who's offended by mr potato head um i really really don't um i, I guess it's is it is it trans women who are saying that just because he's got a mustache doesn't mean he's a mister um i, I don't know i really don't know but um Whoever it is, I just think they need to um, contextualize and appreciate. And just, I, I know I'm, I'm a massive fan of logical, rational thinking, and a massive um, uh, enemy of the other, so irrational and illogical thinking. Um, you know, if it is the case that uh, 99% of people who have moustaches are male, um, then surely it is okay um, to create a toy with a moustache and call it Mister. Um, I don't know. I just, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's the insanity of it that bothers me. Um, although I think, as you say, a way of rationalizing this, uh, all the, all the things you spoke about and how it's kind of crept into various, um, aspects of society and those things have, uh, amalgamated and, and perpetuated and it's, it's basically reached the corporate world. And as you say, it costs them nothing to do this. Um, and at the moment it's good PR um so you know potentially there is a method to the madness um and actually um this isn't the world going insane this is um the clever ceos out there recognizing an opportunity to exploit uh and taking full advantage as they always would with any uh, opportunity to exploit so um, yes i, I mean I, i'm looking at this sort of the, the article and it's kind of like it seems that they're retaining mr and mrs potato head they're just yes, adding, they're, they're the adding a potato head product and yeah. um, I think it kind of is in line with the, the modern age. I think the numbers for trans and non-binary people are going up and up and up. I think the LGBTQ numbers are about 5% in America. And I think they're probably going to be the same number here. Um, that is a non-insignificant minority. Uh, the pink pound has always been known as one of the best demographics to secure uh, because you're talking about people who usually don't have children so they have massive spare money um, and the trans pound is almost certainly going to be just, just as valuable I mean I, I think that's still an acceptable phrase because I think the, the pink pound is sure a it phrase that, that the gay people use themselves and also pink news is an important LGBTQ plus whatever um, uh, a publication in, in the United Kingdom uh, and probably America too. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, it's kind of a sign of the times. It's, I, I, are you that, are you that, you see, that's funny to me because I'm not that bothered about Look, the potato so just head. For the record, the potato head thing, about I'm not... the women thing. I don't care. Okay. By so the way, um, a lot of these leftists now spell men NXM. Oh, I've been dude, used to dude, don't, that don't tell me that. I don't need to know that. I just. <laughs> I'm not even going to touch that. Can, I, can I just tell you what annoyed me? Is, is when we have people like. You know, I, I like. I'm sure, I'm sure they're lovely people. But you've got those. 
girls, Cece and Andrea, who are sort of black um, biological males who transitioned and smashed the state record in women's sort of 200 meters, like completely crushed it after having been very unsuccessful runners in the male uh, category. And you've got that lady Fallon Fox who broke two women's skulls uh, in combat. I think before it was revealed they were transgender, (laughs) at least one of them just completely caved in a woman's skull, broke her orbital bone. I don't think she's been fought again, almost blinded her. And I don't think the person knew she was a woman. Oh, she, she, she was a biological man. Um, you've got Lauren Hubbard, who has sort of broken all of the amateur weightlifting uh, numbers for uh, he- super heavyweight females, uh, obviously being transgender, and actually uh, someone who runs their own competitions, uh, who's now looking to compete for Australia in the Olympics, where they probably will take the all-time records for, every, for, for both of the lifts quite easily despite being an extremely mediocre person in the male category before they transitioned um you have the lady who the the trans lady who won the um cycling uh masters cycling um event uh who's a doctor in fact who continually shouts to everyone on twitter about how it was fully deserved and you know it was really tough and everyone else had an advantage over me and blah 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 and so we're seeing that we're seeing tiny percentages of trans women, but essentially every time they compete in, in sports, they're having a massive shot at success. That I think there's a there's a, a women's basketball team where one of the players is like a six foot seven <laughs> biological man, <laughs> just completely, basically Will Chamberlain, because <laughs> everyone else is about a foot smaller. The thing is, I can laugh because I'm not a woman competing on that stage, or I'm not. A- biological woman competing on that stage i'd be so angry if it were me if i were like playing well, in an yeah. amateur basketball tournament and one of the teams you know had lebron james in a wig or something i'd be very very angry yeah. um you know it is it's oh dude it's, so, it's a mean, madness it's I would just say, absurd. i would say that i would say that legal entitlement so we're talking about women's only spaces women's only changing rooms women's domestic violence shelters, um, women's only sports, women's only jails, all of those things are very serious. And all of those are under attack because of the relatively harmless things about like, can you please call me ma'am when I identify as a woman? Yeah, of course I'll call you ma'am. Okay, now I am a serial child rapist and um, I have had an epiphany just after you've caught me that I'm actually a woman. Can I now go to a female jail? Do you know what I mean? That's no, what happens on a regular basis. Right. No, it, yeah, and it's it's clear as day. And I think you know, I think I can cool down a little bit, and um, you know, reason will prevail. I'm sorry, I've, I've been watching so much with Sunny, and I was just um, I was just thinking as well the episode where um, Frank goes on TV to just bang on about how important guns are, uh, pun intended. So when anyway, um, I started blasting, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it turns out he's just bought shares in a local gun store. Yes. Um, and then at the end of the episode, he's bought a load of water filters. And he, got, he goes on TV and talks about how bad all the water is. Um, you know, I think starting fires and then selling fire extinguishers is Ooh. one of the oldest tricks in the book. Yeah. Um, and I do, I'm starting to think, and this is based primarily on what you were saying, 
Um, I think a lot of, you know, Hasbro, Dr. Zeus's estate, um, all the rest of it, it probably just is that, frankly. Um, and I, I kind of can sleep easier at night knowing that. I just can't believe there is a significant number of people who are genuinely offended um, by a character in Dr. Zeus. Um, I just, I find that so hard to believe. Or well, they walk into, you know, Toys R Us and see Miss Potato and go, oh, that is a shocking, shocking, um, what's the toxic masculinity? Like, I just don't believe those people exist. I think it's a really, I, you know, if I were in that community, I'd be really annoyed that people think that I think that, if you know what I mean, because I, I strongly suspect oh, 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 yeah. the overwhelming majority don't, right? I've been in places where you can't say the word stupid, you can't say moron, you can't say idiot, because they're considered, um, you know, disability phobic. I've been to places, I've been to many places where if you are not a certain colour, you're not allowed to speak for 24 hours on a topic. Um, yeah, I mean, you would not even believe, <laughs> you wouldn't believe the sites that I've seen. And um, yeah, I mean, this is all kind of like old hat to me. And uh, all I can say is there's a lot to come, Cal. This is the tip of the iceberg. This is not an, this is not an old time high that we're going to push down from. Unfortunately, like my GameStop stock, this is <laughs> this is a uh, this is the this is the beginning of a bull run for wokeism. And um, just you wait to see how bizarre it's going to get. I mean we've again i'm going to push it back to the things that really matter we've had a big fight about whether or not the gender recognition act should allow people to change their biologically recorded sex based on the gender they identify as and that was a huge fight luckily the good people have won that fight but uh we are facing that was basically shot down in flames recently in yeah, the last six months in the UK Parliament. Yeah, I mean that's the thing, is like the large amount of the country and the people and even the younger people, especially not the millennials, they're a bit whacked in the head, but actually the generation Z, the ones that come after them, they seem to actually have their head screwed on. They see how completely insane the millennials are. Um, and all I can say is the millennials are coming of age to the point where they can really make a difference in society. And they are make they're making their best effort to ruin everything. Um <laughs> With the exception of, I guess we can blame the boomers for messing up the property market. So that's okay. Because the, the millennials are kind of like messing up the culture and the boomers messed up society. And then, so we're going to have to see what the Gen Z do. Are they going to restore balance or are they just going to mess it up in a new way? Uh, Generation X, of course, have just been completely silent, just kind of like sat there and listened to their, their CDs and their Walkman while, while everything just burns around them. Um but yeah, I mean, this is all the tip of the iceberg stuff, Cal. Um, potato head, women. Have you seen Latinx or Latinekis? That's the big one. No, that, that's one of the big one that's been happening. I just want to. I just want to talk about how insane. Can I just say how in, it just doesn't make any sense to me? Why does the pride flag have black and brown on it? Okay, black is not a sexual orientation. <laughs> <laughs> or a gender identity. LGBTQ for a very long time has been about sexual identification or gender. For a long time, it was just about sexual identification, as in um, sexuality. Why does someone's race matter? Why is it only black and brown? Uh, are you kidding me? If I were black, okay, 
And let, they can let, let just be let's be let's be a hundred here. Of all the communities in the West who are the least accepting of gay people, it's the black community and the Mexican community and the Indian community and the Muslim community who are happen to be the black and brown that represent on the flag. It is completely insane. I think it's insulting, frankly, to those communities. And I think it's I think it's insulting in general to anyone of that race. It's just bizarre. It's like what what why is why are you just representing my race on the on the pride flag? And and then you've obviously got the trans sort of triangle that comes into the pride flag, even though the pride flag always represented LGBT. Now the, the trans flag needs to sort of be there as a prominent you know, imitation of a Neapolitan ice cream, which I always think about it. Um, so anyway, uh, I was, I, I, I got slightly distracted talking about the flag. Um, I was about to talk about Latinx and it, okay, it's, great, it's great. It basically Spanish is a language. We have masculine and feminine word endings. So as an O about this. is male and A is female. So if you are Latino, that means you are a male Latin, okay? If you are Latina, that means you're a female. However, if you are Latinos, that is the plural for a group of Latinos who are either entirely male or a mix of male and female. Now, if it's only women, then it's Latinas. But if it's a mix of male and female, it's Latinos. That's just simply the uh, convention of Spanish. <laughs> so to beat that, a bunch of probably English-speaking Western liberals decided to replace the O with an X, despite the fact that X is not a sound in Spanish. They have they have an X in the alphabet, and they pronounce it equis, and you barely ever see it because it doesn't sound good. Equis, it's it's not it's not a quick thing. It's not like X. They don't say X in Spanish. That sound X does not exist in Spanish. Can you believe it? The, 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 the sound that's about to come out of my mouth, X, is not said by Spanish people in their language ever. The only time they ever say it is if they were trying to pronounce English, because they probably even call the X files like X, right? So, the in, and, but listen to how crazy it sounds, because people have been saying, well, how do you pronounce Latin X? You just simply say Latin X, right? That does not make any sense in Spanish. There has to be an O or an A, okay, or a couple of other types of ending, or like L. Uh, but, but, there, but there's no such thing as an X ending in Spanish. So the way you pronounce it in Spanish would be Latin X. And how do you how do you say multiple Latin X? You you would technically say Latin Xs, which is ridiculous because you really want to say Latinos. <laughs> and as far as I can see. Uh, the general Spanish community is saying, what the actual F are you trying to do, you idiot? <laughs> um, or can't say idiots. Do you know what? And then, and, and, then, and then the left book people tried to replace idiots and moron with smooth brain. <laughs> because the idea is that if you have a, if you have a smooth brain, that, that means you are basically, you, you don't have a functional brain. Brains have wrinkles and wrinkles are how you sort of have intelligence. So if you have a smooth right. brain, you are basically like an IQ of two. 
So obviously they call they started calling people smooth brain for a while, but then they realized that that is simply also insulting people's intelligence. That is insulting people who have smooth brains. Also, you can't say the word psycho in these places because that is insulting people with personality disorders. <laughs> You also can't call out malignant narcissism because that's insulting cluster B personality disorders. I know all about this, Cal. I know all about it. I don't know how you occupy these spaces. I just couldn't. I just couldn't do it. It's kind of like um, it's kind of like uh, deep diving uh, in a very high pressurized uh, place. You know, you've got to go in. You've got to get your suit on. And the suit in this case is your sense of humor. And then you have to plumb the depths. Um, and it's very dangerous. You might get the bends. <laughs> and you've got to carefully extract yourself. <laughs> it's essentially the equivalent of James Cameron's sort of deep, deep dive. You know, when I go into the really crazy places, I'm in a few places where there is so much mental illness that it sort of hums off the walls. And if anyone says any sentence at all, right, it is just examined by a 50 million microscopes for the smallest linguistic mistake. Can you just imagine? Okay, all I'm going to say is Jeremy Corbyn, my name is Jeremy Corbyn, he, him. Do you remember that? No. There's this idea in the left that when you talk to someone or we talk to a group, you should say your name and then announce what your pronouns are. So she, her, or he, him, and um, or or like ze zir or fey fair, you know, or they them, uh, like Sam Smith came out as they them, and um, they 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 wear pronouns badges. And you had Jeremy Corbyn stand up. Jeremy Corbyn, the leader of the Labour Party, which is supposed to be a party based on sort of miners and builders and, and, and Labour men and women. Um, and he's sitting there saying, hello, everyone. My name's Jeremy Corbyn. He, him. I mean, if that doesn't sum it all up. And that, I mean, that's obviously why he got crushed by Boris Johnson, because can you imagine Boris Johnson would just take the piss and move on? I always laugh about Sam Smith. Um, because uh, sorry, not because of how he identifies, whatever that's fine. Like I say, I'm with you. People can, as long as it doesn't impeach on my rights or freedoms or whatever, then that's that's fine. You identify how you want, and I'll call you what you want. But he could not have, sorry, they could not have uh, a more masculine name. It's like the blokiest name, <laughs> right? Sam Smith. Um, do you know what I mean? It's just, um, yeah, it's unfortunate yeah, yeah. for someone who's non binary. That's true. Um, Anyway, um, I fear we're pretty far over the time budget on this one. Yeah, I think we're actually sort of like we've had an entire episode. Um, so do you mind if I draw a line and we move on? Well, I was thinking that we should just sort of like call it a night and then sort of like this can be a hybrid. <laughs> or would you, do, do you want to have our... Should we, should we double header it and sort of, I mean, I don't know. Have you got the energy for another sort of 30 minutes chat? Well, I've only spoken for about five minutes so far. So yes, I've got plenty of energy. <laughs> right then. <laughs> Message received. Um, okay. Um, wait, hang on. Are you, are you suggesting we carry on this? Or are you happy to move on? No, let's, let's, let's talk Royals. Let's talk Turkey. Okay. okay. So um, big topic two. Um, will be the uh, royal family. Um, and the reason that I uh, chose this is just because there's been a few royal headlines 
uh, in the last week or so. Um, and if you look back over the last year or so, uh, even more. Um, so just to recap some of these headlines, um, Prince Philip very sadly uh, is in hospital. He's recently been transferred to a uh, St. Bart's, which is a cardio uh, specialist hospital. Um, he's been hospitalized now for just over two weeks. Um, the prince is 99 years old um, and a much beloved, well, controversial already, but in my opinion, a much beloved public figure. Um, we've got the Megxit debacle because this all came to a head in recent weeks. Uh, I don't really want to talk about Harry and Meghan. It's a whole separate thing. And frankly, I'm just... Oh, I thought we were going to talk about Harry and Meghan. I mean, we can. We can. We absolutely can if you wish to, but uh, perhaps not in the introduction. But uh, there's been a lot of headlines about Harry and Meghan. Um, and then um, you've also got the Prince Andrew scandal. Uh, Prince Andrew scandal. The Prince Andrew scandal. Um, so there's been a lot of royal headlines. There's always a lot of royal headlines. We Brits love our royal headlines. Um, but it does feel as though um, the royal family is being condensed. Now, unfortunately, um, I'll give a general description for our international listeners. Um, effectively, and I'm, you know, you, you may paint a different picture, and obviously uh, we can look at that. But effectively, the Queen is is much loved in the UK. She's very much the um, foundation of the royal family, and a lot of people. Uh, recognise that she is sort of single-handedly responsible for keeping it going, modernising it, and keeping it relevant. Um, but the Queen herself is is ninety four. Um, you know, she's got. I mean, her mum lived to one hundred and two, hundred and three, and obviously she has every advantage one could hope for health wise. Um, but you know, let's say she's got ten years. Um, Prince Philip very sadly looks like he's you know not not long for this world. Um, you know, obviously I hope he lives many more years but the reality is he's 99 and uh, has had several health issues over the last few years uh, Prince Charles is immensely unpopular um, effectively because of his uh, alleged treatment of Princess Diana who was extremely popular herself um, Prince Harry uh, has obviously removed himself from the picture um, and then you've got good old um, Prince William um, who has kind of done his duty in every sense of the word um, in terms of uh, the way he lives his life and all the rest of it. Um, so, and then Prince Andrew, obviously national scandal, um, unfortunately uh, just you know, has to be completely removed from the picture. Uh, again, allegedly at the moment, but probably rightly so that he's removed from the picture. Um, and then Prince Edward um, and Prince, um, I forget the other, the other uh, Princess Anne, sorry. Um, again, they're not really that prominent um, in the public eye, so um, it's it, the the question around the monarchy and the future of the monarchy um, is an interesting one. Um, there are many many uh, Republicans um, out there. There are equally many many Royalists. Uh, the general argument is that the royal family brings significantly more um, to the country financially than they do cost the country. Um, that's one of the arguments for. There's obviously a steep sense of tradition. Uh, it's part of our national identity. It's part of our culture. Uh, but those who argue against it effectively say, why should someone just through birth circumstance get to live a life of leisure and have their life funded by the British public and the taxpayer? Um, and, you know, why should they be an authority on any subjects? And why should they get to um, do all the things they do effectively? Um, so that's the common argument. That's the rationale for me wanting to bring it to the table. Um, and I guess I'll start by stating my own 
position on all of this. Um, I am a fierce royalist. Um, I love the uh, pomp and circumstance. I love the pageantry. I love the tradition of it. I love the fairy tale aspect of it. Um, you know, I think it's um, it's not quintessentially British. It's not a fair thing to say. There are monarchies all over the globe, um, but certainly it's something one associates um, with with Britain and, and England. Um, and I love all that it represents um, in terms of um, I don't know, just it's it's kind of and it is antiquated. I do appreciate it, but it's that sort of toffee, uh, stiff upper lip, um, very posh um, British person who you know prioritizes fair play and um all the rest of it they're, they're kind of a, a, a relic of a bygone era uh or the british empire i suppose uh and look that you know again for our international listeners i'm sure there's there's much awareness on this but the, the sovereign doesn't really have any actual power and certainly the few powers that are left uh they would never ever use because that would be the end of the um uh royal family and i completely agree with that it's, it's absolute madness that um whoever uh, inherits the throne next should have any sort of uh, clout or weight um, I, I think their role of effectively being sort of national cheerleaders uh, and mood lifters um, is absolutely fine um, I think the fact that they dedicate their life to public service um, in exchange for you know not having to have any financial concerns uh, the, the staff and the big houses and the palaces and all the rest of it I think it's a completely fair deal um, but I do not advocate for a moment they should have any power um and equally i just think you know what's the harm effectively uh, and if you're really upset because you know 10 people out of the entire populace um get privileged just based on their birth you know then i really think you've got you've got bigger fish to fry frankly um so yes yeah, so that's that's my opening gambit in terms of rationale way to have the conversation a bit of the picture um of where we are in the UK of our royal family and my own views on it. Um, so over to you, Mr. Law. Um, where, where, I mean, again, I, I've always assumed you're a royalist, but I've never actually had this conversation. Um, and I guess just what, what, are, what are the thoughts going through your head off the back of my, my opener there? Well, yeah, that was a pretty fair roundup. Um, I know I'm, I mean, let's just get stuck into it. I'm a massive fan of the royal family. And then... But the only difference between me and you is that I believe that they should have some influence. I believe that that's acceptable. Um, an interesting thing, if you study constitutional law, is that all property, all land on the uh, country in the country of the United Kingdom is owned by the Crown and loaned out to people claiming... Uh, beneficial ownership of certain parts of of it. Um, I believe the same applies to sort of all animals, wild animals, and um, uh, sort of the process is all of the crown devising its uh, property uh, to the uh, people of the realm <clears throat> to see and use as they see fit to, to use as they see fit um and if you die intestate which means that you die and there's no one you leave your money to um including no one who you can be uh who that money can then be passed to on a legal basis via the rules of intestacy uh your money will go to the crown which in reality goes to the treasury but um, doesn't it have to sit in doesn't it doesn't it have to 
has to, doesn't take like 10 years or something, doesn't it? Yes, there is a process by which they have to legally satisfy themselves that there is, in fact, no one who would receive the money on the rules of intestacy. But it certainly happens where people die and they're completely on their own and the money will go to the crown and essentially go to the treasury. But um, a very, it's very, what's very interesting if you study constitutional law is that obviously the first thing is first is that the legislature of this country is, in fact, called the Queen in Parliament or the King in Parliament if you have a king. And uh, the parliament is formed <clears throat> by the by the monarch uh, as part of the agreement um, following the glorious revolution, and um, uh, the uh, the monarch signs off on every bill by granting royal assent, and only once the royal assent has been granted is a, an act of parliament, a bill of parliament, turned into an act. And um, as far as I understand it, the royals actually have got involved from time to time in legislation. I think that Charles is known to have done it the most in relation to environmentalist stuff. Um, and I'm, I'm not against that. And, and what I'm most interested in is that the army of the United Kingdom, uh, although it is technically... Uh, part of the executive uh, of government and controlled by parliament um, and the prime minister um, it swears an oath to the crown and to the to the monarch and um, in the time of it's it's bizarre to think about this it's almost sort of archaic in a way but in the time of civil strife if there were to be an attempted coup uh, and there were or there were to be some kind of absurd fascist um, uh, uh, p- p- plot um, involving the misuse of the army. Um, in theory, the queen could, or, or the king, whoever it is, could in fact um, personally call on the generals to honour their military oath. And don't put it past a military person to take the the word of their oath more seriously than a city slicker or the average civilian. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. If your queen calls on you to do do right by your country and your oath as a soldier, um, don't be surprised if some of the generals turn around and ask their men to support the queen. Um, you know, I think that's a bit archaic, bit bit, <laughs> bit romantic, perhaps, but uh, I don't think it's out of the realms of possibility. And no, I, I think. Yeah. Sorry, just to just to okay. very slightly. The when you talk about the romantic aspects of it, that I think I just think that's important. I think that's really important. Um, you know, it is. Look, I think I almost feel the same way about royalty as I do about religion. Um, I think you know, you, it's important to I don't know, almost just recognize an ideal that is more important than effectively capitalism um you know and actually you know recognizing and buying into that ideal um is it is important um you know i think the the crown um or the royal family whichever is the embodiment and the representation of british idealism um and your military example is is very um apt because i think you're right i think the the sense of honor um and duty 
is a huge part of this. Sorry, I just wanted to put that in quickly because you just that was very evocative what you were saying, and it, it inspired me to yeah. to, to contribute that because I you know that's that's a really good way of um, I don't know. It's a fantastic example of, of why I like the whole setup of you, if you like. The, the monarch of the realm wears a very very heavy mantle. It's a it's a high responsibility. It's a connection through history. We've never had a revolution in this country that is a true revolution. We've never truly got rid of monarchy. We've only replaced it when it got excessive. Um, and Lord Protector for about twenty years or something like that. Is that right? What, what do you say? Didn't didn't Cromwell? Yes, yes, yes. So we went, we went for a very small period. Yes, exactly. Monarch, didn't we? Yeah. Exactly. And um, the, yeah, the Civil War wasn't a revolution. <clears throat> it was an argument between Parliament and, uh, and the monarch. But um, sure. Sure, we've, sure, sure. we've had kings and monarchy in Saxons, when we were Saxons. And it was a king who restored, well, not restored. It's a king who took England in the name of Christianity. Uh, well, I suppose you would say they reclaimed England from the Vikings. Uh, and then it's been kings who have led us, and queens who have led us in our development to ascend to the peak of the world. And then we had our greatest time under Queen Victoria, who was one of the longest reigning monarchs ever, uh, you know, surpassed by Elizabeth II. Um, and I think Elizabeth I, I'm not sure. But um, no, maybe Queen Victoria is the second longest reigning British monarch and certainly up there as, as far as monarchs go. Uh, and obviously Queen Victoria is extremely famous um, uh, and, and extremely emblematic of the nation and just was, was well liked, I believe, by the majority of, of the people, with the exception of the Republicans. And... Um, and the Irish and um, the uh, the royal family has a wonderful connection with Scotland. So not only is it emblematic of the spirit of the, of the British nation, it's also emblematic of the union of the of of the two nations, of the two important nations, the two most important nations, and obviously you have the Prince of Wales, and uh, there's there's pl plenty of um, love in the royal family for the lands of Wales and of Northern Ireland who are loyal to the crown. And um, it, it's a wonderful sense of identity if you're British. We've got the best royal family by far, and it's not even close. And our royal family was the big antagonist in the American War of Independence, so our royal family is relevant when it comes to the Americans. And our royal family is still the head of Canada and Australia and New Zealand and South Africa, uh, or at least uh, some of them, uh, certainly on, on the currency of some of those countries as well. <laughs> um, I, I, I must say, I do feel that royal, the future of, the, the, of royalty is dependent on the responsibility of the monarch, which is why Queen Elizabeth has been such a fantastic person to be in charge of the whole process because she's taken it so seriously and is in all by all accounts she performs according to her role 
which she assumed at a very young age, as well as one could have hoped. And I'm sure Queen Victoria would have been very impressed and Queen Elizabeth I would have been very impressed and all of the other kings and queens uh, of British history would view Elizabeth II as every bit their match. Uh, and I have no doubt that should Prince William become King William, he will be a fantastic king. And I feel the same about Prince Charles. And um, I don't feel the same about Prince Harry, but he's about seventh in line to the throne. So I guess Yalbu sucks. Or maybe right. fifth. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I think you're right. I think he's seventh because you've got Charles, William, and then their three children. He's sixth. So sixth he's sixth. Yeah. yeah, he's sixth. Yeah, you've got, yeah, you've got um, Charles, William, George, Charlotte, Louis, and then uh, the Duke of Sussex and his son. Archie um, comes number seven, but um, yeah, he's never going to be king, obviously. Um, and uh, Prince William, I think we've got a really, really strong chance of being a fantastic king. You know, so I think the uh, the British royal family has the next eighty years, maybe uh, f- maybe sixty years. Yeah, it would be 60 years, I guess. Um, next 60 years, sewn up. And um, I'm going to be sitting there supporting them every step of the way. I think uh, the, the tourism, obviously, the, the diplomacy, the, the, the cheerleading of the nation, the, the, the light legal role, which I do believe is not completely insubstantial, um, is all every bit worth uh, whatever cost it may, it may assume. And I just, I feel that, one final thing before I hand it back over to you. I am not religious and I don't think I'm ever going to be religious, but I am discovering and appreciating that I do have a lot of time for religion and the values it brings to a society and it brought to our society. And I wish I could embrace it in a, in a way that squares the, 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 the square against the whole uh, of my lack of religiosity. And I feel that... the circle. I don't know why you said Where's the circle? <laughs> and, and my... Um, I feel that embracing the royal tradition versus embracing republicanism is, is one, of the, one of the causes that I can throw myself into where I do believe it matters. And I do believe that republicanism is a... I do believe it's a moral vacuum. I, I do believe that ultimately... There is only one group of people who really do feel a legitimate heavy burden to try and lead us in a moral way with character. And that is the monarchy. And no one in politics really ever has that feeling. We've discussed this before. No one in politics has any real true uh, urge, um, mantle to behave like a paragon. But, but I do believe the monarch of the country does. And um, I think it's very, very powerful. And, and furthermore, the, the whole country does, in fact, love the pomp and circumstance of a coronation. Oh, coronation, can you imagine? Oh, I can't can you wait. imagine? Yeah, sorry, obviously I can, but you know what I mean? Oh, we have got to just, we're going to have to We should to get do, a cup in our lifetime. We've got to do a, a do chat special. We've got to, oh. to turn up. Um, I'll be there. We'll be in our tails with my yeah. We'll we'll be in our proper outfits. Yeah, I'll be waving at the Union Jack and uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, can't wait! You know, love it. I'll buy I'll buy all the memorabilia. Yeah, 
Absolutely. I'll have mugs and I'll, pi- I'll have pictures of the monarch over the mantelpiece, <laughs> as you should. Can you imagine the, the idea of sort of toasting the king? Um, and by the way, the, the idea of king and country, um, which got men through the, the wars, you know, I mean, it might sound ridiculous, but hell, the Germans in, uh, in, the, in the War of Independence, uh, w- w- the Hessians, were, were, were fighting simply for their prince. This is the border prince, just a random prince in a random place in sort of the German Prussia region. Uh, they would fight to the death for the honor of their prince. So, I mean, look, at least we've got a king. <laughs> we've got king and country, you know. Right. I mean, I-, I would like if we could change our national anthem. I hope that's not too much of an insult to the monarch. Uh, I'd like to change it to Jerusalem. Um, but uh, other than that, two thumbs up for Queen Elizabeth. And very, very optimistic in terms of uh, King William. Very happy to pledge my services in his name if he should wish. Excellent. Okay. Well, look, let me let me put two things to you quickly, just because I think they are interesting discussion points i guess the first one a big question at the moment is whether or not uh, okay so i guess three things but the first one is is a two-parter um do you think the queen will ever abdicate um because there are uh, there's speculation that if philip were to die um then she might finally retire uh, so that's one part uh, i personally don't think she will um secondly would you wish for the crown to skip Charles and go straight to William again I'm not massively in favor the only thing I would say is that because Charles is so very unpopular unfortunately um, I do worry that it might jeopardize uh, the monarchy itself and that's the last thing I'd want to happen Um, and I guess thirdly just I'd be I hate myself for asking this I can't resist I'd just be interested in your opinion on uh, the whole Harry Meghan um, saga um, I don't like to get drawn into it, but but I'm giving into um, uh, a guilty pleasure, I suppose. Um, so yes, yeah, so there you go. So will the Queen abdicate? Um, should Charles take the crown? Um, and where are you on Harry and Meghan? Well, okay. First things first. Queen Elizabeth. Um, she is the fourth longest serving monarch. Elizabeth II. Yes. Uh, oh, hang on. Are you talking like ever in the world? Right, right. Yes. I was going to say, she's definitely the longest serving British monarch. Um, who's had a, a reign of 69 years. Um, and she only has three years until she has overtaken Louis XIV, um, who was the king of France. Come on, Lizzie, you can do it. In the 17th and 18th, 18th centuries. So she's got three years and she's she's... She's on the way, you know, and uh, and all and the three monarchs who are ahead of her are all dead. So she's going to overtake Johann II of Liechtenstein in a year's time, a year and a bit, okay, and then only thirty days later she will overtake. King Bhumibol Adul Yadej Rama the Ninth of Thailand, and then it's the big prize. Then she's got two more years to last until she beats Louis the Fourteenth, and uh, 
Lizzie, Queen Lizzie II, is easily going to live that long. It's not even close. She's going to live for another 10 years, at least, I should say, because her mother just went on and on. She's got the most epic genes <laughs> for surviving. So yes. I want her, I want to see Lizzie II smash Louis XIV and then set a really good number. And, the, and I, I would like for her not to abdicate. I don't think she will. I don't think she will at all. In fact, I think, yeah, no, I don't. I really I think don't. Prince Philip dying will just simply mean that she goes full on monarch and takes no days off. She'll probably die on the throne, you know, as as befits, and I'm sure literally, her... as opposed to the Presley death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, true. <laughs> you know, she was also she's she's also the twenty first longest serving um, queen because she stopped being the queen of Jamaica in 1962. It's amazing when you look at her when she ascended to the throne in I want to say fifty four. No. So it's not that's not far off. Oh, it's not far off actually. 52. 52. Yeah, when you look at the Sorry, I got I I I confused with her with the date she was born. <laughs> right. Um but she if you look at the British Empire as it was called then and you you look at the changes she's been through and seen and all the rest of it it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Um and as you say she is still the head of many many countries she's ahead of the commonwealth um yeah she is just i don't know it's what she embodies it's that's what it is it's it's britishness incarnate yes um, and, I, and i love it queen um, victoria was the uh is the 10th longest serving monarch in history and uh the second longest in british history right, right, right. george the third is, is third george the third was the king over British independence, right? Uh, sorry, American independence. That's so correct. Yeah, yeah, III? yeah. Yeah, George III, they called him the tyrant. Although, quite That's frankly, right. he wasn't really a tyrant at all. The Americans were just crazy. Right. Okay, so that's that's Queen Abdication. How do you feel about the who should ascend? Oh, how do I feel about who should ascend? I want it to be King Charles. Purely because you like the sound of King Charles. So I can have a King Charles that, in his name. <laughs> um, no, no, I think he deserves it. Yeah, I mean, he's been waiting in the wings for a very, very long time. I wonder what they'll call him. They'll call him the, you know... Will he the, the Charles the Fourth? Charles the Fifth? No, I mean, what what will they call him, you know? As in, like, will he be called, like, the Grave King or something? Oh, he's see. about to die. Right, probably. He will be one that he must be one of the oldest people to ascend if he does. I don't believe we've had that many Charleses. We've had at least three. I'm sure we have. I'm sure about that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, Charles II is famous because he was the one who was beheaded after the Cromwell. No, I think I he, would, he, would, he would be Charles III. Oh, really? Oh, fine. Yeah. Okay. So we've only had two Charles. Charles Carlos is a very Spanish king's name. Mm. We usually have Henry or William or James. And George. Or George. Okay, so, yeah. so, okay, so you are in favor of Charles taking the throne. What are you? Are you? you what are you in favor of? Yeah, no, I, I am. I just worry that because he's quite unpopular, um, that wouldn't be good for the brand, as it were. Um, I could accept William. I'd feel so sad for Charles, but 
there is a certain rightness about William taking the throne and then getting a good reign in rather than the idea of a monarch becoming king when he's very close to death. Well, so this is the thing. So Charles would get it in his 70s and then William would probably get it in his 60s as opposed to Queen Elizabeth who got it in her 20s, you know? Yeah, doesn't give him much of an opportunity. But hang on, let's let's play that all the way through. So when would, um, what's his eldest called? George. Uh, who? What? Uh, Charles's eldest son. Yes. George. Yeah. So George is, I think he's seven. So if, uh, yeah. See again, he'd be in his fifties. But maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's what we're going to have. Maybe, maybe, maybe Queen Elizabeth doesn't mind that, really. She's yeah, going to think, like, you know, I was at my wisest when I was 70, so I'm just going to let everyone else get to 71st. I mean, you know, <laughs> possibly, maybe possibly. she'll say to herself, that's the only way I can really be sure everyone's going to be sort of, you know, very careful. How do you feel about the, um, the rest of the aristocracy, the dukes and the earls and the um, mar- marquees and all the rest of it. I mean, obviously it's, you know, it's very much um, diminished from its heyday of 150 years ago, um, but it's still around-ish. Um, yes. Because there, there's a Duke who's been in a lot of hot water recently, isn't there? Um, can't remember which one. Very, very wealthy. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just hope it survives in some form for, yeah, for a time I mean, or more, and I guess. I don't, I don't like the idea of like free money uh, passed down, especially political power. But uh, I don't like the idea of these big estates, which are almost guaranteed by the country and sort of their estates are renovated at, at the Treasury's expense when there are people who are living in food banks. I don't believe that the aristocracy provide any service to uh, the, the nation remotely comparable to the monarchy. Um, I think they should be divested of any kind of um, treasury-based support. And the only time they should have renovation, uh, the crown, or, or, or at least uh, the country, should uh, gain shares in, in the ownership of the property um, or something along those lines. Um, uh, yeah, so I would like to see them diminish. And also I'd like to see them lose their honours if they do anything scandalous. You know, I would love to see the king or the queen exercise what they probably have some kind of right well i'm not sure if they do because that was probably signed away in 1680 or whatever because uh, obviously the nobles would not have wanted the king to be able to just randomly right. dismiss them from their post but certainly right. their use has has run has run dry uh, one would argue that ultimately their ancestors gained for their issue the, uh, the 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 unlimited and inextinguishable right to profit from the uh, profits of Britain, which they helped build um, and win. Um, but uh, I'm not sure that holds particularly true when you have a complete cad of an answer of, of a descendant, uh, sort of 15 generations removed. <laughs> I'm not sure. I sure. That. No, sure, sure, sure. Okay. I remember I went, um, to, I went to a dinner at the um, sort of the 10th generation below uh, one of the great generals in English history, whose name escapes me. He's a, no, 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 he was, a, he was an admiral. He wasn't a general, but no, he was uh, of course, yeah. one point. of the biggest general, big 
generals, not Cromwell, but generals in English history. He's a, bit, a famous name. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna find it, but he's actually probably the biggest name. Oh, Marlborough. That's it, Marlborough. Right. Yeah. Marlborough. Well, I think it was Marlborough, Duke of Marlborough. So yeah, yes, yes, the Duke of Marlborough. Very, very famous. His name actually was Churchill. It was John Churchill. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, and the present holder is Charles James Spencer Churchill, the 12th Duke. Yeah, I love that. Just in the title. That's awesome. Yes. Um, and, uh, and I think I went to uh, their house, which was a massive, a bit, bit massive building with a bunch of people. I met a very strange man there. He was, he was about, six, about 50. And he had a twenty-year-old girlfriend, and I was just, just striking. Bag. What? Cashback. Sorry, Karen. Cashback. Uh, Alan Partridge. Oh. Oh. I was, and I just, I just sort of out of idle conversation, I said, you know, do you have any hobbies? And he said, <clears throat> reading, which I thought was very strange. One of the strangest met, stranger people I've met, uh, but everyone was very posh then, and they had a gigantic. A painting of the Duke of Marlborough, as is tradition, of course, uh, above the above the fireplace, yeah, uh, and a lovely and lovely grand piano, which my oh, dad played that. a Chopin etude on. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> so cool. You would have enjoyed it. I would have loved that. Um, I must say, I must say that the man, because he was friends with my granny, my 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 granny was friends with people in the royal family. You didn't believe it. She knew them all from, cool. from horse racing. Um, and yeah, uh, the he was very charming. It was a very nice day. That's awesome. Okay, so the last one is the Harry Meghan situation. Where do you stand on that? So okay, look, just so I think it is quite a big topic, and I do try to avoid it as much He's as possible. He's abandoned the nation, hasn't he? Really? <sighs> yes, <laughs> yes. That's there's no two ways about it. Now that obviously the whole thing is compounded by the fact that, you know, the pandemic hit just after he left and therefore, you know, he hasn't really had a chance to come back very much and, and all the rest of it. But, but for, again, for, well, I guess everyone all over the world knows this story. The British Royal family is followed globally. It's amazing, really. And again, like you say, boost the tourism and profile. And, uh, anyway, but, but basically the idea is that Harry married Meghan uh, 2017, I want to say. Um, most would say, she was welcome with open arms. Um, obviously, she's American. There's a history of Americans spoiling things in the royal family. This is Wallace back in the day. Um, but she's American. Uh, she's a person of colour. Um, she's not traditional. Um, all the rest of it. Um, but most would say she was welcomed with open arms. Um, they had a fantastic wedding. You know, people lined the streets, all the rest of it. Um, and then over the next two or three years, um, just a series of unfortunate events turned the press against her, as it were. Um, things like, you know, having a go at someone at Wimbledon because she thought they were taking her picture when they weren't, um, being environmental activists, but then flying a private jet something like a hundred times in three months um, or something silly like that. Um, and just generally not really 
air quotes, getting it with the British press and just very, very um, American, um, which you know, doesn't sit well with the British royal family, unfortunately. Unbelievable. Uh, just in mannerisms. In the Times, nothing was ever good enough. Meghan left staff shaking with fear. Claims of AIDS and tears and heavy demands have put the Sussexes in the spotlight after their decision to leave royal life. Yeah. Um, so fast forward a little bit. Basically, they stepped away from their royal duties. They said that the media spotlight was crushing them and Harry was afraid that um, the same evils that pursued Diana and allegedly led to her death um, would have a detrimental impact on his family. They had their child. Um, so they want to step away from royal duties and become financially independent. Um, but obviously the big problem there is you cannot profit off the fact that you are part of the royal family. You absolutely shouldn't do that. It completely goes against um, the code, as if you like. Um, so, you know, it caused a bit of an argument because effectively they were trying to have their cake and eat it too. Uh, they left the country uh, and haven't come back. Um, there was a 12-month sort of transitional phase uh, but the Queen brought this all to a head a couple of months ago and said, look, you can't be in America and be a royal um, and you can't be a royal on Spotify and doing interviews of Oprah and Netflix deals and all the rest of it. You should not be profiting off your HIH titles. It's not right. Uh, and therefore, we are completely removing you from uh, the royal family. You'll no, have a, no longer have any royal duties. You'll be taking all your uh, patronages, uh, all of it. Um, and, you know, Megan's been fighting the British presses and recently won a court case against the Daily Mail, protecting her privacy. And yet she is organizing interviews with Oprah um, and signing Spotify podcast. And the whole thing is just very unfortunate. And there's there's this con there's this conflict in the in the narrative in terms of Harry doing what's best for his family versus Harry neglecting his duties. He's benefited from the privilege of his position for 40 years. Um, but you know, you you just can't walk away from that or if you can then you absolutely have to walk out completely drop your titles drop your security detail drop the profile that gives you access to these multi multi-million dollar deals um, and live a air quotes normal life um, clearly that is impossible and therefore you should embrace um, your duty and perform it um, as you know most of the royals do um, however begrudgingly in some cases um, so, yeah, no, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm afraid I do fall on the side of, uh, I think he's let the side down somewhat, um, and I think it's a shame. Um, I have very, very little opinion of Megan. You know, I really, this is the thing, someone put it in the paper the other day, if, if you're part of the British public, you know, and of a certain age, you've, you've watched Harry grow up. Um, Harry is very similar age to, to us, he's slightly older, um, but, you know, I've, known known air quotes ridiculous things say but i've known harry for 30 years i never heard of Meghan markle before three years ago i appreciate she you know, was in suits or whatever um a cameo in some i can't remember what film it is but it's a ridiculous cameo it's quite funny not a cameo because i don't know who she was at the time but a very uh, limited um appearance in some teen comedy or something which is brilliant but um anyway um yeah the whole thing's a bit unfortunate in my book um so, yes, I think we're kind of on the same page, it sounds as though. Well, I've never, um, I've never had a high opinion of Harry. Yeah, he's always been a bit of a dark horse, hasn't he, if we're honest? Yeah, I've always felt he's got, he's got, he's got, the, he's got the kind of um, licentious attitude 
that fantastic word uh, someone like King Henry VIII had without any of the good parts. Uh, at least King Henry VIII. I mean, he may have played hard, but he worked bloody hard too. You know, he had a massive effect on the country, established his own church. Well, I was going to say, started Church of England. You yeah, much more um, than that, really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was a, he was he was a he was a mover. I mean, he really got stuff done. You know, he anything he turned his mind to, he was almost like a manic CEO. Anything he turned his mind to, he'd have an effect on it. You know, a real activist king, but um, uh, but 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 also a a bit of a bon viveur and um unfortunately <laughs> harry is the sort of all of the uh all of the fun none of the hard work i i i fear uh and um i mean he I did a bit of military service to be fair and he you know i think i don't even like sorry, his accent on. i don't even like his accent i just don't think he's roll enough i think he's just too sloppy he's like mm. a, he's never really stopped being a sloppy uni lad uh, i feel that william sort of grew up a spot but uh, Harry has always been just a bit of a waste of space. And uh, I certainly feel nothing good about people like Princess Eugenie and, and the other of Andrew's children. Uh, in fact, I feel most of the monarchy just take, take the Michael uh, and don't really put much into the process. But uh, maybe I don't know them well enough. Uh, I certainly do feel like I have seen enough of Harry to have made my decision quite early on, quite frankly. Um, and um, he, it's real par for the course. None of this has been particularly surprising to me. I've already wrote Harry off as a character uh, in the process a long time ago, but I've followed William's career with great interest. And uh, obviously I, I feel we can hang our hat on that role and we can say, look, we got at least we, we had a 50% strike rate, which is fine. We got a good offspring out of that marriage. Yeah, true, true. That's all we needed, I guess. Cool. Okay. Well, look, I um, I really appreciate you going the distance and indulging me in this second topic, Mister Law. Um, but I can hear the cries of my young baby. Um, so I'm afraid I'm going to have to um cut this conversation slightly short. So I think technically we went longer on the headlines than we did the big topic, but there we are. We can play with the form, and I think uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversations. Um, and look forward to doing our top 10 over the next couple of days, hopefully. Fantastic. Okay, yeah. Thank you very much, all the listeners, and I hope you enjoyed that slight diversion from the format. Yeah. A bit rambling. It's a good but, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's great. And it was slightly profound Shoot ridiculous, which is our... <laughs> it's just the way we do things around here, so Absolutely. all good. Yeah, cool. All right, guys. Dude Chat is not filmed, and it's not in front of a live studio audience. However, if you would like to contact us, you need to simply go to... Facebook Outlook That's dochat at outlook.com And leave us your opinion We can't guarantee that we'll pay any attention to it Dude chat Shut up man, we're finished